Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. an interesting conversation in our home league chat over the week in response to Marcus Simeon's fantasy stat line, which was this question of what is the best fantasy day ever? So Marcus Simeon in a doubleheader, admittedly, on Tuesday of this past week, went seven for eight with three home runs, three RBIs, unfortunately only three, four runs, and two stolen bases. I mean, that is filling up the stat sheet. (laughs) It's huge. That's that's huge. I mean, there's a little bit of an asterisk there because it's a double header, but sure. I mean, it still counts in one day. It still counts. And then, so we had a, a spirited discussion about what the best fantasy days ever. And so I got a couple here that I'll list, but I, th- I think we can probably find some more. We should start keeping a little bit of track of this because it, it is interesting. Because like, yeah. obviously that Marcus Simeon one day could easily swing a week. <laughs> For somebody. That's it. Yeah. That you could be yeah, imagine you're behind one one home run going into that day and all of a sudden you're ahead two and you're behind one stolen base, you're ahead one. And I think I mean the seven for eight is monstrous too. I mean that's crazy. That's it really affects your average. Gonna go a long way. So Anthony Rendon, uh April twenty ninth, twenty seventeen, six for six, three home runs, ten RBIs. I mean, also filling up the sheet. Josh Hamilton, uh, May 8th, 2012, five for five, four home runs, four runs, eight RBIs. Neither of those days had any stolen bases. So I think mm-hmm. Simeon has a claim to, you know, best standard five category, uh, five category fantasy in a day, but got some other candidates. Yeah, I'm sure someone else has, like, I would, I would love to hear if any, any listeners have a suggestion for one. You know, it, they probably remember it more if it broke their back. Oh, absolutely. If it was on their own team. But yeah, I mean, I brought up the Josh Hamilton one because I just just remember that one being like, wow. That was (laughs) it. That was a four home run game, especially going five for five. It's insane. Um, But Anthony Rendon, six for six is is crazy. All right, let's do the quick check-ins on the rankings here. Fantasy leaders on the hitting side, Aaron Judge on the pitching side, Justin Verlander. Sounds pretty good. Although, again, I could be convinced it was 2018 right now. I, it very well could be, yeah. And Aaron Judge still healthy. Yep, and I think I mean he's gonna reta- he's gonna hold that spot probably until he's not healthy. I mean he's he's yeah, got exactly as yeah. we'll talk about in a little bit. He's got a pretty commanding lead on home runs right now, so we'll see. He's, he's looking pretty good, and um, for but Verlander, I think that's a little bit more tenuous because anyone in that top ten, I feel like, could have a great game and then or two two great games in a yeah. week and just shoot up to number one. No, I mean, the, the pitching side is always going to be a little bit more volatile. I think, realistically, if we could handle holding all of it in our head, you'd want to see the top 10 in any given week, because that'll probably be stable Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, all right, and then for our personal uh, accountability, we're both moving in the right direction. TGFBI, I got up to 433, high watermark for the year, and you oh. got to 400. Well, back to 400, okay. Yeah, no, I... Um... I don't know. I didn't have a great week, but I had an okay week. So glad to go. Well, it's easier. I mean, 
we we've been having this discussion about catchers for a while, and it's it, our decision is somewhat made for us with Mike Zanino hitting the IL. Man, everybody is hitting the D- my DL. All my all my bench is DL. It's, it's no tough. same same. I'm in the exact same boat. I have like two guys that are that are real on the you know on my bench, and that's it. But but honestly, in 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 the TGFBI setting, who cares? You can't rotate on a on a daily basis. No, no, no. It doesn't matter. So you may as well fill up a ton of your bench with IL. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's chat Kenobi. I have just a couple couple quick notes here. We saw episode four. Um, I think they're calling them part four, right? Or are they? They're. I like that they've that they've just Roman numeraled these to go go back mm-hmm. to tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, two notes. One. No more back to tanks. I'm done with back to tanks. And now that they're like these, now that they're these weird telepathic connection chambers between Obi Wan and Darth Vader, I'm like, I don't, I actually don't need that. <laughs> was there, was there an actual connection? I think there, I think there had to be. The cuts were okay. too, the cuts were too obvious. I mean, they've played this up right since Episode Seven. Uh, sorry, Episode Eight, right? This no Episode Seven, like the psychic seven. connection. Yeah, seven, the psychic connection thing. Like the psychic connection. I don't actually love that. You know, I don't. I think I. I don't. That wasn't ever in my original interpretation of force sensitive people. It's not, it shouldn't be. Yeah, you're right because it goes past what like that's. It goes past that. That's a presence that I've not felt since. Because like having like feeling a presence, I get that. I would, yeah. I would assume that by having some sort of like you're sitting there and then you have like you see the other person or you get it or you like have a connection. Weird. Uh, my other point about this episode was that it's basically an, a retelling of episode four with very <laughs> similar characters. I mean, Princess Leia has gotten kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Needs to be saved. And it's like, okay. That little, little, yeah. For the, yeah, I... I <laughs> When Obi Wan distracted the stormtroopers, yeah, I had it. I don't think that I felt that quite as much as as you clearly okay. did, but I I know exactly what you're talking about. This episode was yeah the Star Destroyer breaking they, they did the a, Star Destroyer. They did a pretty good job of and breaking making, out and having a tracking device on there. Yes, I, yeah. I mean, come on, come on. Uh, but th- this is a pretty nicely self-contained episode too. I actually really, you know, I think in the arc of the whole season, I thought this was really thought this was really good because I was trying to figure out going into the episode how they were going to make it climactic, but still leave themselves space for two more episodes, right? Because I was really worried, like, ah, oh, is it going to take them three episodes to save her, or yeah, 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 or what? And it's like, okay, well, actually, something interesting is happening now. Um, yeah. We well, now it's going to happen. They've saved her and they're going to destroy the fucking path, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's, that is an interesting part of the story, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the point of, I guess, what I guess that's the overarching story that they're trying to tell. Because at the end of this, Obi-Wan has to go back into hiding, success, you know, successful hiding for another seven years. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't really a big fan of this episode, quite frankly. Oh, interesting. I, I actually was. That's, well, it's good. I'm, I'm glad that you were. I, I think that I think that where you're able to, to to talk about it being an episode four rehash with your brain. Yeah, I I talked about it with my heart, and then said no. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. I, I, I yeah, I passed it by my heart, and my heart said no. Yeah. Um. Well, but it does leave. I think that what your point is is correct. Is that we've got two more episodes, right? Yep. For them to have a good story, and we have everything is open here. Yes, because we're everything is open. No, they, they got two episodes so, where think, where it could go any direction, and I actually really like that. And I don't think this was a, this wasn't a bad episode in the way that 
Boba Fett. Most of yeah. that, the Boba Fett work was bad. Yeah. This was a, a, this is sort of like episodes, to me, this is a bit like episode seven where it's like episode seven happened and I'm like, all right, it's fine. Um, I'm going to leave a lot of incompletes on this grade sheet and uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll circle back to them later. And so I guess that's, I'm, I'm in this, this similar place right now. And I just, I'm in a similar place except for, what are we, eight years later? Yeah. I, uh, you know. Yeah. Eight years later. Star Wars ain't getting the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it. That's a very fair, very fair. All right, this week the main topic that I want to talk about is another tool capability that I've added that we've been kicking around, discussing for a little while, and we've never actually harnessed this, as far as I know, for tools, and that is looking at splits. You're disagreeing. not a comprehensive way. No, we, not a comprehensive. we have you and I have looked at this separately and. And together we've sure. tried this, but never in a, it was always one off. Yes. It was more like checking the pulse rather than putting together a pulsometer thing. Yeah. Your finger. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. A, uh, so what I was trying to do is make sure that we, that we sort of have a little bit better understanding of the, the tool. And now we can, we can ingest splits from fan graphs. Again, thanks to fan graphs. We can ingest the splits that they provide uh, and interface with those immediately in Python, which was basically the objective. Like I want to yeah. start manipulating. Yeah. I want to start manipulating splits because one of the reasons that I haven't used splits strongly before is that it's just so much data that's hard to organize. Mm-hmm. Like you can mm-hmm. you can get the left-handed, you can get versus left-handed or versus right-handed, which is what I'm going to focus on. But it'll just tell you what player is the best, not in a comprehensive way. Show me the list of how players are doing versus left-handed or right-handed is it is this person outside of the the mean of the distribution are they anomalously yeah, yeah. bad at left-handers or right-handers like i want to know the answer to that question and we just didn't have a way to do that right and that's basically what i'm targeting right here so the tool upgrade was just pushed um to our stat scraping repository that you put together which is really good uh and i had to reverse engineer the technique that Fangraphs uses, which I don't love, which is for some reason, their search uses the month keyword for all splits. That's not the same as the way that they do it for everything else. No, most things are labeled in a in a normal way, Dang. but they have this month equals, and if you want all months, you put in zero, which is fine. That's you know a, li- a little clunky, but okay. And if you put okay. in month equals five, you'll get May. And if you put in month equals six, you'll get June. Okay. But then if you put in month equals 13, you get the splits versus left-handers. Oh! <laughs> you know, as, as you would obviously expect. Duh. Okay, great. <laughs> and then 14 is versus right-handers. I was like, I, you know, because I was... Because to back this out, I had to manually go and look at the URLs that were being called. Yeah, for yeah, exactly. It's a standard way that we've yeah. done this before. And be like, what's different? What's different? Standard. What's different? Yeah. Like, I don't see anything. And it's, oh, months. Of, co- of course. Of course. The thing that I didn't think of. I, you know, we, I, data engineering is, is something that I'm getting more and more into. And like figuring out how to engineer the data set in the right way you have all of these escapes that you have to figure out it's like yes do i want to have another column and add this column because then i'm going to have to add that to the front end and the back end all these ways to query this out boy this is a lot easier to just (laughs) add a little a nonsensical number i mean one of my favorite nonsensical numbers that i they add to things is negative six 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 yeah yeah no data i mean like what? it's the number of the beast no data (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it, it makes perfect sense. Like I, you know, I understand that some engineer was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta implement this. By the way, if you go to month equals twenty-seven, you get uh, against uh, with no one on base, with bases empty. <laughs> of, of course. So, so there, there's some, there's a key to be made, but I have to punch them in. I have to punch them all in manually. So I started the key, and then I was sure, like, sure, well, sure, what sure. am I, what am I even doing? So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to think about this a little bit more deeply. It's not complete yet. It's fine. Um, it's, of course it's not. I, it, yeah, well, there's a, there are a couple of the tools that are they're not in the stat scraping library that aren't totally fleshed out because it's like, oh, God, I, I'm going to have to write in these all manually. Yeah, I'm going to have yeah. to. If right. blah, then blah. Okay. Right. So, the, so we're actually dealing with this issue that we were just talking about in the sense that we're trying to engineer a sensical looking front end to work with. So mm -hmm. now the question is, what do we do? So I just coded it up called split. And currently you have to stick in the numerical value, but it's at least not called month, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, so here's, here's what I focused on though, as to just to get our feet wet, let's just do some, some basic hitting splits. I mean, left-handed, right-handed stuff, just stuff that I don't usually consider. Um, and I, wanna get it, I wanted to get an overall picture of the league and then talk about a couple leaders. So here mm -hmm. are a couple surprising things that I found. Uh, one thing I was curious about was teams as a whole, how many, what percentage of their plate appearances come against left-handed batters and, or left-handed pitchers rather. Okay. And here's a surprising one. You get to some teams that are facing up to a third of their PAs are against are against left-handed pitchers, but that's the maximum. So this is this is left-handed PAs divided by right-handed PAs. So it's not the overall percentage, but it's the ratio of the two. So so if you did that, 0.5 then. Divided by right-handed, okay. Yeah, so 0.5 is a third of your overall plate appearances coming oh, in. Oh, 0.5 is a, right, okay, 0.5 right. is a third, wow. So so you have you have four teams right now that have a third or more of their plate appearances coming against left-handers. Pittsburgh, the Angels, Cincinnati, and Milwaukee, which I think is really interesting. And NL there's Central. obviously wow. obviously something about the NL Central because the Cubs are at 0.46, so they're also lurking right there. Uh -huh. So NL Central is is heavy on the heavy on the left-handers. Where's St. Louis? They must. St. Louis is not. They're 0.3, they're the, so they must. Oh, have they're all the guilty team. <laughs> <laughs> they're just all left-handers. That's funny. I didn't I didn't actually notice that. Okay. <laughs> So I think, I mean, stuff like this, I think something like this is actually pretty interesting. And then on the other side, you've got, uh, you've got teams at the, at the bottom here that are mostly facing right-handers, the most tilted. It's going to be, it looks like AL East mostly. So we've got Toronto, Boston, we've got the Mets also, and then Houston in there. Yankees huh. are pretty low down there also, Baltimore as well. So right-handed, yeah, right-handed wow. is oh, pretty Right-handed power pitchers. I mean, yeah. Garrett Cole being guilty as charged. So Mr. Cortez, not enough, not enough innings. <laughs> so there's some interesting stuff here. I mean, I, I was kind of just wanted to give myself an overall picture because it's, again, just not something that I've thought about. So the Rays must be mostly guilty of the right-handers here because they're, they're the, again, the anomalous team. Every, everyone, everyone on that team must be yeah. right-handed. So in the, in the long term, one thing I was hoping to do with this was to get a first sense of um, platoons for guys. So look at so I want to look at individual players and compare yeah. them to their team average and say right. okay well actually if you're a Houston player who's getting most at bats against left-handers okay you're definitely a 
you're you're definitely a platoon guy or they're using you as a platoon guy and i wanted to get yeah, some yeah. first tip-offs against that set up an automated way so this was the first right we that. need to yeah we, we've talked about platoons a lot and it's unfortunately a platoon is something really simple when you're looking at it from the um uh, why, why am I blanking on what the scouting kind of perspective of like you're mm-hmm. manually looking at players and, and ascertaining it from a data perspective it's a lot harder to because you this you have to do this which is to go down an extra level and split it out the least common denominator least common denominator like Lord's Goriel yeah who had a great week this week well you know I guess he hit he hit against the the right right side of the platoon yeah that's exactly right so I need I want as you just said, I'll just restate it. I mean, it's just, it's a hard thing to automate. It's a hard yeah. thing to make a computer see the platoon. And so writing in a an algorithm that recognizes platoons is not trivial. And that's sort of where I'm headed with this in the, the meso time. Right. Because it's not, the difficulty is it's not, um, it's not binary. Like yeah. I, oh, they only face left-handed yes. pitchers. They mostly face left-handed pitchers. Yes. They only they don't only face right-handed. They mostly because there's going to be what there's going to be relievers that muck that up, right? It's like exactly okay. Well, I got to kind of keep them in for defensive, even though it's the wrong side of the 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 um, the platoon here. Or there's just like a matchup, or there's an illness. Like, hey, it's Thursday night, dude. Just go out there. I don't care if you're going to go over four. Just no, just go exactly. out there. We we just need a player. Exactly. And I mean, for the most part, we'll talk about this. So let's flip to talking about specific players here. For the most part, you're seeing a distribution that's coming in between, uh, that's coming in between if you do left-handed plate appearances versus right-handed plate appearances, again, coming in between 0.3 and 0.5. Most players. Yeah, most players. So you can see, so one example of a, of a super strong platoon guy, Jacques Peterson. Is, uh-huh. Yes, yes, yeah, is super strong, and so things like that, things like Jack Peterson and Vlad Guerrero Jr. is also a little platoony. <laughs> they're putting what? him out. I they're they're putting him out against. I mean, he's a, he's a he's even anomalous against the Toronto level. So they're so they must be they must be. It's not putting him out. They must be taking him out of the lineup. Yes. at key spots because he's not. So it makes sense to take him out. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's happening. You have guys flipping the other way, like Kyle Schwarber faces mostly left-handers mm-hmm. and the first thing i did was just i you know i always kind of default to the king of stats of home runs whenever given it whenever given the opportunity so i wanted to look at the home run leaders where are most of their home runs coming from is it is it anomalous and so what i looked at was the number of home runs against lefties number of home runs against righties divided those and compare those <laughs> to their overall plate appearances so saying what fraction of your home runs come from left-handers and what fraction of your plate appearances come from right-handers and look for a mismatch there and just see basically who's only hitting home runs off one side of the plate. And I highlighted guys who are better against right-handers and better against left-handers. Aaron Judge, 19 of his 24 home runs are off of right-handers, but his plate appearances are not anywhere near that tilted. They're pretty close to one-thirds, two-thirds. So he's very efficient at hitting home runs off of right-handers and not as efficient, although he still does against left-handers. Well, it's probably good for him given the uh, the split, the natural split of left-handers versus right-handers. No, it is. It is. It's harder to find guys that hit more home runs that that tilt the other direction. The only one, the main one, Byron Buxton. Wow, that's uh, but, not not exactly the name I would have expected. Well, He's the other guy, six the against other, left-handers. The other guy is Jose Altuve. Well, why aren't we trading? Why aren't you trading Byron Buxton to the uh, 
down the down the road down what 94 uh to milwaukee i mean that, that kind of seems like what we should do here uh i guess i mean i guess there are a couple more so i'm looking at um, andrew mccutcheon and corbin burns for byron buxton what is this? and uh, chris archer who says no what's what's this guy doing uh, so I mean I, I looked at looked at the whole ranking here, um, tilted the other way towards right-handers again. Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Schwarber, um, Shohei Otani also pretty tilted towards right-handers okay. on here. Uh, guys tilted towards left-handers: Corey Seager, Glaber Torres, um, Jose Altuve a little bit as well. For the most part, these guys are actually more even than I thought. So most home run hitters are sort of in the same ballpark. Like you take you take a guy like. Uh, Christian Walker and his split looks pretty intense. He's got 12 home runs off of right-handers, three home runs off of left-handers, but that's right, basically but then you in line. It. Yeah, it's basically yeah, in really line with close. What he's doing. So that's I have really to. Close. So I'm kind of mulling over what to do with this. I mean, the same thing is true for like Mike Trout, three home three home runs off left-handers, 13 off right-handers. That would make me think normally like, whoa, Mike Trout, no power against lefties. But that's really it's not as true when you when you start to actually when you normalize it. Here. Yeah. yeah. So we need to do a little bit of more, a little more exploration like this. But this is kind of what I'm, a little bit of where I was hoping to go with this, and just ask yeah. the question of like, just ask the question of what what actually is surprising um, about these numbers and for these power hitters, what should we expect? Okay. So let's try and be a little bit more subtle about this and look at at batting average. And I looked at batting average splits against lefties and righties. Okay. And yes, this yes, is going to be good. This is not ratios. This is subtracted. So what I did was I took their batting average against lefties minus their batting average against righties. So negative numbers are going to mean that they're tilted towards righties. Positive numbers mean they're tilted towards lefties. Even though it's okay. not weighted, right? And it's and you don't have to weight it, right? So, um, so I gave you the whole list. Most guys are pretty average, but I looked at the extremes here, and it kind of it kind of flips both ways. I was a little bit surprised here. We've got. We got a good selection of both right-handed bias and left-handed bias. Um, so on the right-handed bias, Luis Arise, Aaron Judge, J.P. Crawford, Austin Hayes, your boy, Bobby Wood mm-hmm. Jr., David Peralta, Colton Wong. I mean, some of these guys are some of these guys are very tilted. I'm looking. I at dropped J- Luis Arise and TJFBI, and so regret it. He's eligible everywhere. He, well, he's eligible everywhere, but some of these things are interesting. I mean, I guess I guess you don't worry as much about the guys I just listed, who are the right-handed, the guys good against right-handers, because most people's at bats are coming against right-handers. Yeah. But it's these other guys that you worry about, which is the guys tilted towards lefties: Paul Goldschmidt, Kyle Farmer, Farmer, Cesar Hernandez, DJ LeMahieu, Salvador Perez, Yasmani Grandal. All of these guys are strongly, strongly average tilted towards lefties. Wow, DJ LeMahieu. That makes so much sense because yes. if if. If the Rays finally said the inefficiency was actually to have, we have too many left-handed batters in the AL East, too many left-handed hitter, uh, pitchers in the AL East, let's go all righty. And then DJ LeMahieu, who was 300 hitter, now not a yeah. 300 hitter. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a chance that this is, I mean, this is not a hard analysis, right? So they could have done, they could have easily done something like this and said that same thing. For me, what freaked me out now is I picked up Cesar Hernandez and on the basis of a couple of good weeks. But I think the answer is yeah. he faced left-handed pitchers. That's it. That's it. <laughs> like, right. oh. And that's uh, the Louis, Luis Arise is doing the exact opposite. He hasn't yeah. touched a left-handed pitcher in a while. And all of a sudden, he's going to be sat out, which he can be because that's the way that he is. And that's why we need to figure out these these splits, right? That's oh, exactly okay. right. This is great. This is a great – I hope I'm not 
insulting this, but this is a great first step. No, that's, that's all this is, right? This is, I'm introducing this solely as the tool. And I had a couple applications to show, I think there's actually a really rich data set here. Um, I know there's a really rich data set. We, we knew is, it and it's just like, we're just so overwhelmed by it, right? Exactly. And so now it's like, okay, I'm going to start playing around with this and trying to figure out. I mean, this is giving me ideas. The thing that I just said about guys, you should add versus drop. Like before you write them off or pick them up, maybe you better check. <laughs> you yeah, got to at least check their splits. splits is the thing that is the thing that I've, I've just learned now. So interesting we all, stuff. We all knew it, but it's like not some, it's something you forget. Same thing. Yeah. But it's so, as I said before, it's so hard to check splits. It's not it easy. It is. It's not and, easy and to check And then you splits. think about the sample. And now we can look at splits, right? Yes. We can look at splits now. We can three weeks ago. It even would have been a little bit no, disingenuous. That's right. That's right. I mean, I should I should be clear. This is the list of guys with over uh, 200 plate appearances already. So we're only really talking about everyday guys because otherwise you flag up all these guys that like, wow, he's hitting a thousand versus right-handers. And you're like, well, he's got one. You know, he's one for one. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, even two for two or three for three could happen. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's a lot to work with. Uh, I painted this as a very rosy picture, but I know there's going to be stuff to do. Oh, I was yeah. mostly just happy to crack the freaking code on Facebook. This is eight. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I, I I always love being able to crack that code. This is eighty twenty rule at work here. Oh, hundred percent. I just took what looked to be a gigantic step and. Um, there's going to be a lot to do. I think that about brings us to the review session. Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray is, you know, I feel like he's having the kind of season that is the average of what both you and I thought about him. Because I've always been pretty high on him. And you've always uh-huh. been a little bit like, what the heck's going on with Robbie Ray? <sighs> Who cares? This year, Robbie Ray's record, win-loss record, five wins, six losses. Oof, wrong side of that. Uh, 4.52 <laughs> ERA. He's started 13 games, by the way. 77.2 innings pitched. 81 strikeouts, so that average is coming down a little bit, and a whip of 1.25. That hurts. That's that's more harm than good on your average yeah. fantasy team. Robbie Ray, this is the first year I decided to try. Well, I think I invested, this is the <laughs> second time I've invested in, in him, and it's the second time that I've been um, let down. But it's not as, who is this guy? You know, who is he? Why well, can't you get, he be consistent? You get Robbie Ray. Or is Ray this be- it? Or is this it? Is this what Robbie Ray is? No, this this is slightly worse, right? Because because his look at his career average is thirteen seventy one strikeouts over one thousand one hundred thirteen innings pitched, and this year he's only going he's on eighty one in seventy seven innings pitched. So he's he's way off of his normal pace. I mean, the reason you get Robbie Ray is because he has an insane strikeout to innings pitched. He has a crazy K per nine. Oh yeah. And this year he doesn't have a crazy K per nine. No. I mean, his his ERA is below pedestrian. His WHIP is below pedestrian. He's not getting wins. He's getting strikeouts at an okay but not awesome clip. Yeah, frustrating. I mean, I'm I'm less worried. I'm a little less worried about the ERA because you should not have been drafting Robbie Ray for ERA. I mean, his career no exactly is 4.03, no. and that's what you should expect. Yeah, so uh, let's let's assume that he regresses to the mean on the ERA. I think that's the only number which has been consistent enough over his career that you could say, yeah. like, oh, I mean, even that is not really that consistent. It's 2.84 last year. What the heck? 4.79 in, in Toronto the year before that, but in Arizona, 7.84 before he got traded. Faced a lot more batters there. Um, but 4.34, I, mean, I do think of 2019 as the year. Like this is the that's the Robbie Ray that you you should be expecting four point three I think ERA one point three 
whip, 235 strikeouts in 174 innings and 12 wins. That's that's a Robbie Ray that yeah. we know and love. Yeah, and in the Robbie Ray that's good in a fantasy sense. <laughs> yeah, which is you know the thing that I forgot that I always forget about Robbie Ray is that he was on that Tigers team in 2014. I mean, he was part of like he was part of like a a really good back end of a pitching rotation. <laughs> Oh yeah, but then he got traded. He was in the Scherzer trade, right? Yeah, we got traded. We got traded early. I mean, it was a good. It was a good throw-in for them. He's only thirty. I know. He's. He's. It feels like he's been around for a while, but he's. But he, he's. Yeah, he's only thirty. He has. He could be hitting his prime. He's the kind of guy that could have a second. You know, a second chapter in his career. That's just like I am the guy on. You know the the Yankees. Well, he's, or the he, Dodgers that gets yeah. fifteen wins a year, three ERA. I've just figured it out. I strike out guys when I need to. He doesn't throw hard, and he's never thrown hard. I mean, he's throwing harder this year than he threw in 2019 on average. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a it's not a like oh something's fallen off his his fastball that's causing this. Yeah. But also when you watch him, he just looks like he's trying so dang hard to get the ball out. <laughs> oh yeah, a plus for effort from Robbie Ray, right? <laughs> He really, he really looks like he's working at it. Yeah. What's fun is he's not, I mean, he's not someone that's really been hit by injury bug, right? He's No, 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 no. He's, he's, he's a durable guy, actually. I mean, that's another reason that he's, that he's got some value. He was injured last year. Was it 2018 but, season was the, it was his bad year where he had that real bad regression? We had a, no, no, no. He, con- he was okay. Concussion in 2017. And some lower back spasms in 2019. I mean, just little. I guess he was out. Yeah, he was out for a good chunk of 2018. 2018. I can't remember. I thought that there was one year that he was out for an inflated ERA, but I don't remember which which year that was. But even in 2018, he still managed to make 24 starts. Yeah. Ugh, Robbie Ray. But I, I also, I also don't love him on the Mariners. Right, his new spot of as of this year. No, it's like not I a said, good spot for him. He's he's the guy who should be on a good team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not the guy that that a team that wants to make the playoffs desperately is depending on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you shouldn't be depending on him. He should be your number three pitcher for like. Okay, I mean, like imagine him in Milwaukee. It'd be great. It's like okay, oh, you, yeah. What do you need to worry about? You're behind Peralta. You're behind Burns. You're behind Woodruff, and then you just show up. No, Eric, what's his face there? Hinsky? Whatever. I can't remember his name is. That's what he's done all year. He's like, I'm a number four pitcher. <laughs> this is awesome. Yep. He would be, I mean, I think that's why the, the Red Sox are trying to get him because he would be, he's got a little bit too many home runs. Um, and too much, too home run happy. But he would be great where it's like, yeah, expectations are kind of low. I have a good team around me. Because he would be yeah. really valuable for ERA, 1.25 whip. Strikeouts out the wazoo, and then if you're getting 18 wins, yeah, that's a valuable pitcher. But you're not going to get 18 wins on exactly, exactly. I mean, he just kind of always seemed like the guy who got things done, and this year he's just not getting it done. No, and if you look at it, if you look at him, look at him in fan graphs. I don't see anything here to say that anything is off his usual trajectory. His left on base. It has been his whole career has been a little bit more wild than others. It's just a little bit, it's a bit lower right now. So guys are getting on and they're scoring against him. But his ground ball percentage, it, well, his bad bit. I mean, that's the thing that we should look at. Two seventy nine against him, which is a teeny bit high, but yeah, 
for his career, he has a pretty high BABIP against him. Is he just, is he a bad fielder, or is he being on <laughs> bad teams <laughs> defensively? I think he's stuck on teams that are bad defensively. <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah, being on that Arizona for a while doesn't help you. Well, All right, good. I mean, there's yeah, there's not that much to say about Robbie Ray here. He's like, he's not, he shouldn't be, we shouldn't be talking about him right now. <laughs> no, 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 this is not, I mean, this is where people picked him, and that's why we're talking about him. Yeah. But I can guarantee you they're not going to be picking him like this next year. Nope. But, no. you know, I understand why people drafted him. 248 strikeouts last year is nothing to scoff at. <laughs> no, <laughs> But he's not going to get it this year. No, unfortunately not. Well, who are we doing next week? Let's talk about Tony Gonsolin. Let's do it. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.